0: Today's reading is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, which can be found on page 1068 in your church Bibles. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Let's pray as we begin. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, your precious word made flesh, and we thank you for the Bible, your precious word written. We pray that your spirit would open our eyes to see more of Jesus in our Bibles and to help us to truly know who we are in him. For Jesus' sake we pray, amen. Um, A great uh, writer and theologian called J.I. Packer, who died a couple of years ago, uh, once wrote a sentence that begins like this. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out... I wonder how you would finish that sentence... If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, uh, find out how well he knows his Bible. and Find out if he's ever read the works of J.I. Packer. Uh, find out which church he goes to. Find out how clear he is about the significance of Jesus' death on the cross. Find out if his life has been transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, none of those would be daft answers, or well, perhaps one. Um, But the paragraph from Packer's book, Knowing God, it actually goes like this. Uh, You sum up the whole of New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy father. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. What does it mean to be a Christian? The heart of being a Christian, Uh, the Christian's highest privilege, as Packer calls it, the core of my identity as a Christian, is being a child of God through Jesus. If you are not yet a Christian yourself, did you know that that is what God is offering? You might think that becoming a Christian is a matter of joining a particular sort of club, a kind of national trust for people interested in historic religion. Maybe you think that becoming a Christian is about getting a general sense of fulfillment or peace of having a sort of uplifting boost to your life once a week. Um, A chap came around to look at the boiler the other day and I told him that I'm a a kind of vicar. And he said, oh, we sometimes go to church. Um, It's all about giving the kids some moral standards to live by, isn't it? And I said, no. (laughs) And he said, oh, and we had quite nice chats. And becoming a Christian is a much bigger deal than any of those things, it is a matter of being adopted into God's family, becoming God's child and having God as your father. Verse 12 of our passage says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, that is to those who trust Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. If you have received Jesus and you believe in his name, and you are a Christian, Does the thought of being God's child prompt and control your worship and prayers and your whole outlook on life? It is easy for other things to take the central place that ought to be occupied by the thought of being God's child. And what is the thought that most shapes my outlook on life? It might be something good. I think of myself as someone who serves that church in a particular role. I'm a mother or I'm a good colleague at work, whatever it is. Um, My controlling thoughts might be negative. I'm a failure. I'm a sinner. I'm a person who can't seem to hold down a job. I'm a person who used to serve at church in a particular role, but now for whatever reason I can't. Maybe it's kind of neutral. Maybe it's just that my first thought in the morning is about all the things that I need to tick off on my to-do list today. And my last thought at night is all of the things that I did not tick off my to-do list today. But strip away all those truths or imagined truths about who you are and what you do. And if you believe in the name of Jesus, then the solid rock at the bottom is this. You are God's child and you have God as your father. To all who received him, who believed in the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. That is to put all other thoughts in perspective. That is to be the thought that prompts and controls our worship and prayers and our whole outlook on life. My first thought in the morning and my last thought at night, the core of my identity as a Christian We're looking again uh, today at John chapter 1, focusing on uh, today on verses 6 to 13, and if your sheet says 14, Tom's going to take verse 14 tomorrow. John tells us that in Jesus, the long-promised light has come to make believers into children of God, and we're going to see that in two parts. First, in Jesus, the long-promised light has come. As you can see, I spent ages making the PowerPoint really beautiful, so enjoy that. In Jesus, the long-promised light has come. Look again at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Um, Actually, there's a bunch of people in the Bible whose name was John, about five of them. Um, Easy to get confused. In fact, you'll see at the top of the page of your Bible, uh, the Gospel according to John. Uh, The author of this book of the Bible is John the Apostle, um, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. I'm pretty sure this church, St. John's Church... Um, It's named after that John, uh, the Apostle. But John the Apostle, writing this book, is introducing us in verse 6 to a different John, uh, the one we often call uh, John the Baptist. Verse 7, he, John the Baptist, came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The purpose of this gospel, as John the Apostle will say in chapter 20, is that people might believe in Jesus and so have eternal life. And the purpose of John the Baptist is that all might believe in Jesus through him. Jesus is the light of God's self-revelation. John the Baptist is just the witness to that light. Why does John the Apostle make such a big deal out of this? Um, don't get the wrong end of the stick, he says. Um, John the Baptist wasn't the light. He was just pointing people to the light, to Jesus. It feels like an odd thing to have to say. Um, surely we know that the main character in the New Testament is Jesus, not John the Baptist. I think we need to understand two things about John the Baptist. At first, John the Baptist was a rock star. Um, he was an absolute phenomenon when he came on the scene. Vast crowds flocked to him. And he had his own band of disciples like Jesus did. Uh, He was such a nationally prominent influencer that when he spoke out against King Herod, um, Herod felt that he had to silence him. He eventually had him executed. Uh, Non-Christian historians record the impact of John the Baptist. Uh, The US Federal Reserve does not normally Um, feel the need to say a lot about pop music, Um, but they felt obliged recently to note the massive contribution that Taylor Swift has made to the American economy with her latest tour. Apparently, people have spent billions of dollars, uh, literally, on tickets and accommodation and so on. Some people are claiming uh, that Taylor Swift is single-handedly responsible for the fact that the US has avoided a recession this year. I don't know if that's true. And for his time and place, John the Baptist was that kind of level of celebrity. Instead of Swifties, Bappies or something, I don't know. (laughs) For that reason alone, it might actually be worth pointing out that for all his fame, John was only the warm-up act and Jesus uh, was the headliner of the show. But it's not just that. Uh, The second thing to understand about John the Baptist is that for gospel writers, uh, John represents the Old Testament. He's portrayed as the last of the Old Testament prophets, just 400 years late to the party. Um, Elijah was the quintessential Old Testament prophet, and John the Baptist is like a new version of him. He recaps the forward-pointing message of the whole Old Testament Uh, Even the noun uh, witness in verse seven there. It's not the form of the word you'd usually use of a person, um, but of a document. John came as a testimony to testify to Jesus because he represents the written testimony that is the Old Testament. God has spent over a thousand years preparing the way for the coming of Jesus through his dealings with the nation of Israel. He gave Israel the promised land, the kings, the temple, the sacrificial system, the priesthood, the law, generation after generation of prophets. And together they were supposed to point people forward to the coming of Jesus, who would be the fulfillment of those things. And the last of the writing prophets, Malachi, promised the coming of a new Elijah and then the coming of the Lord himself. And then there was no new word from God for 400 years, And then John the Baptist burst onto the scene, the new Elijah promised by Malachi. He picked up where the Old Testament had left off in pointing to the coming of the Lord. But where the other prophets had to point dimly through hundreds of years of future history, John could see the Lord come in the flesh with his eyes and could point at him with his finger. Look down to verse 29 of this same chapter. And the next day he, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him and said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the fulfilment of the Old Testament sacrificial system that has now arrived in Jesus. So why does John the Apostle make such a big deal out of the fact that John the Baptist is only the witness to the light and not the light itself? It's not mostly because John is such a celebrity that you might confuse him for the main event and to fail to see that he's pointing to Jesus. Well, I suppose in theory you might. I mean, it's mostly because John the Baptist represents the Old Testament. And as we're about to see, the nation of Israel in Jesus' day really did confuse the Old Testament for the main event and failed to see that it had always been pointing to Jesus. Now, this is not to diss the Old Testament. I'm no less than the New Testament. It is the uh, true and authoritative word of God. Um, On its own terms, the Old Testament was and remains the light of God's self-revelation. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, wrote the psalmist about the Old Testament. And interestingly, Jesus calls John the Baptist a lamp in chapter five of this gospel. But Jesus has come as a full and final self-revelation of God. The Old Testament, personified in John the Baptist, was a lamp for Israel. But in Jesus, the sun has risen over the whole earth. Verse nine, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In Jesus, the long-promised light Has come. And he has come not only as the full and final revelation of God, though that'd be no small thing. Um, In Jesus, the long promised light has come to make believers into children of God. And for our purposes, the point of everything we've said so far is that this is not some minor spin off benefit of some other plan that God has. The climax of God's eternal plan has arrived in the coming of Jesus and Jesus has come to this end to make you and me, if we believe in Jesus, into children of God. Uh, Verses 10 to 13 are at the very heart of this uh, 18 verse introduction to John's Gospel, the high point of all this rich and dense theology. In Jesus, the long-promised light has come uh, precisely in order to make believers into children of God. I'm focusing on the, the positive there. I think that's where John wants to land. But tragically, what we actually see in verses 10 to 13 is a divided response to Jesus. Verse 10, he, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. John's already told us back in verse 3 that all things were made through Jesus and without him uh, was not anything made that was made. It's not very good English. I think it's probably quite good Greek. Um, Jesus is the creator God of Genesis. Um, But the account of creation in Genesis 1 and 2 is followed by the account of humanity's rebellion against God in Genesis 3. And after Adam and Eve had eaten of the tree... When God comes to walk in the cool of the garden with them, they hide from him. Humanity taken as a whole has been in rebellion against God ever since. Perhaps it shouldn't be a surprise that when God came again to walk with humanity in the person of Jesus, humanity again rejected him. The world did not know him. They did not want to know him. It shouldn't be a surprise that the same is true today. I mean, it has never been easier to access the light of God's self-revelation than it is today. The whole Bible is easily available on the internet in dozens of languages for free. I mean, you can steal them from hotel rooms uh, across the world. And yet most people in Tunbridge Wells haven't bothered to make even the smallest step towards Jesus Someone was telling me this week that she'd had the opportunity um, to share a bit of the gospel with a colleague at work. And his response? Nah, it's not for me. It's not for me? And First of all, what we're telling you is an objective fact. Jesus Christ is Lord. Saying Jesus is not for me is like saying gravity is not for me. Fall of a ladder. And it has the same effects whatever your personal preference is. Um, But second, have you really heard what God is offering? You can become a child of God. That will change everything in your life for the better. How could it not be for you? But that's the way it's always been. The world does not know its creator. It's not ultimately ignorance, it's not ultimately lack of opportunity. I'm ultimately left to ourselves. We do not want to know. Jesus it isn't a surprise but it is a tragedy for the world not to know the God that made us and the tragedy goes deeper it isn't just the world in general that rejected Jesus but the nation of Israel in particular verse 11 he came to his own and his own people did not receive him Um, Remember that these verses are an introduction to the rest of John's gospel, and he's telling us what to look out for and how to understand what we read uh, later on as we read the rest of John's gospel. Um, John, along with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all record the tragic rejection of Jesus by the leaders of the Jewish nation and by the nation taken as a whole. Um, Not every individual within Israel, the author of the gospel himself, is a Jewish man, and he believes in Jesus. But taken as a whole, the nation of Israel in Jesus' day chose to side with the world against their own Messiah. Uh, the Jewish religious leaders plotting with the Roman authorities to have Jesus executed and, and crucified. And Jesus was rejected by the very people who should have welcomed him as their king. Taken as a whole, the world rejected Jesus, taken as a whole, the nation of Israel sided with the world in rejecting Jesus. But Jesus, rejected by his own, has come to create a new family out of all those, Jew or Gentile, non-Jew, who believe in him. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's just worth pausing and noting that according to John, not everyone is a child of God. And that is a popular view. I've been having some conversations over the last few weeks over the chap who keeps coming back to this. I like to think that we're all God's children. Um, Well, not according to John. Um, It is all, but only, those who believe in the name of Jesus who are God's children. Um, you don't become a member of God's family simply by being a member of the human race. Um, you don't become a member of God's family simply by being a personal faith, whatever that means. Um, you don't become a member of God's family by belonging to what are sometimes called the Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. Um, if anyone could consider themselves a member of God's family sort of by birth, as it were, uh, you might think it would be Jewish people After all, in the Old Testament, God himself did truly call the nation of Israel his son. But Jesus, in John chapter 8, is offensively clear about this. Um, Some Jewish people say to Jesus, Abraham is our father. And then they say, in fact, we have one father, even God. They are claiming to be in God's family by virtue of being in Abraham's family. But Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, you are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and they, of course, are seeking to kill Jesus. The coming of Jesus has drawn a new dividing line through humanity, not on the basis of ethnicity, but entirely on the basis of our response to him Love for Jesus, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, demonstrates your membership in God's family. Uh, Rejection of Jesus, effectively wanting him dead, whether you would put it like that or not yourself, demonstrates membership in the devil's family, whether you are a Jew or a Gentile. Membership of God's family does not depend on genetics or ancestry, or in fact on anything within ourselves. It all comes from God. Verse 13, God's children are those who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Jesus, rejected by his own, has come to create a new family out of all and only those who believe in his name. If you are trusting Jesus, you have been adopted into God's family, and God bringing you into his family through Jesus is the very climax of all his plans in eternity. In Jesus, the long-promised light has come, precisely in order to make believers into children of God. The Apostle John clearly never got over the privilege of being a child of God through Jesus, as well as a gospel. Um, Three of his letters also made it into the New Testament. And you can hear the wonder in his voice when he says at one point in the first of them, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, says J.I. Packer, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Without wishing to be rude, can I ask you, how well do you understand Christianity? If you are not yet a Christian, Do you understand what is being offered? Um, Humanity is divided into two families the family of the devil and the family of God. And it is not too late to move out of the former and into the latter. But one day it will be. It hinges exclusively on your response to Jesus. That he is offering you the extraordinary, undeserved privilege of being a child of God, of having God as your father. And that makes everything about your life better. Please do not say, it's not for me. Please will you read on through John's Gospel to see more of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. Take a free copy of John's Gospel. Um, at the door, if you don't have a whole Bible at home and you'll read it, take one of ours. Happy Christmas, you're welcome. And if you are a Christian, what is the thought that prompts and controls your worship and prayers and your whole outlook on life? Plenty of thoughts will compete for that central role. Thoughts good, bad, and somewhere in between. And we need to fight to give the controlling place. To the thought of being God's child. J.I. Packer asks this. Do I, as a Christian, understand myself? Do I know my own real identity, my own real destiny? I am a child of God. God is my father. Heaven is my home. Every day is one day nearer. My saviour is my brother. Every Christian is my brother too. Say it over and over to yourself, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, as you wait for the bus, any time when your mind is free, and ask that you may be enabled to live as one who knows it is all utterly and completely true. May this secret become fully yours and fully mine moment.